This is Red Pod. <laughs> Red a podcast Red from Red Hot Publications. Red Pod. Take three. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, depending upon where you are out there in podcast land. My name is Robert Knipe, and this is Red Pub Pod. Today, we are very, very happy to have with us our sound man and general guy who runs the program, Richard Eller. Yay. And also with us is my Grand Poobah uh, acquisitions editor, uh, Patty Thompson. Greetings, and welcome to our podcast. Our podcast, such as it is, uh, we are proud to present to you today one of our best-selling, well, if not the best-selling writer that we have had the honor to publish uh, here at Red Hawk Publications. Her uh, memoir, Dumb, 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 My Mother's Book Reviews, has been flying off the shelves, uh, flying into boxes, and flying via UPS to all over the United States and Canada and even a couple of other countries. Uh, She worked with us to uh, send out some autographed copies. I'd like to welcome today Mary Jo Peel. Hey, hi. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Please make sure that Greg Triggs knows that I'm your best-selling author. Okay, so when we post this on Facebook, let's yeah. make sure we exclude Greg Triggs so he doesn't yeah, see it. we're going to have to hide it from Greg. <laughs> oh, did I screw everything up? No. Nah. Do we have to start over? No. Nah. <laughs> that which makes us stronger is a good book and compelling, naturally. Yes. Oh, totally. No, I love Greg and I love the book. I just love to, we have that thing going on where we give each other a hard time. That's all that was. Yeah, we have, you, we have a marvelous competition going, ladies and gentlemen, out there in podcast land between our uh, our writers. Uh, they they uh, compete to see who is the best um, seller <laughs> of the Red Hawk stable. <laughs> and uh, I don't think even Mary Jo realized that she was going to become as uh, huge a seller as uh, she has become, but it has become a great seller because it's a great book. Um, MJ, would you start off by telling us a little bit about your career? Give us a little bit of a biographical breakdown on where you've been and how you got where you are. Yeah, I will. uh, I'll try to make it brief. I I got into stand-up comedy in the mid eighties after I couldn't hold down a job like a day job. And, uh, I started getting a lot of comedy work, which worked out, but dismayed my parents. And then I was hired at mystery science theater 3000, which was produced in the twin cities, which is where I was living and live now. And so I wrote on that show and, and acted on the show for seven or eight years and um, then did some traveling and moved around a bit and just kept writing and contributing to newspapers and magazines and doing stand-up and other performance. And I think that brings us to now. And now I do a lot of work with Rift Tracks, which is kind of a spinoff of Mystery Science Theater. I don't think I've ever heard of this Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Way to be coy, Robert. <laughs> I, think your, I think your bio is very important, and you covered some of the most, Im- most important things because your career is a huge subject in this memoir, 
where you write lovingly about your mom and uh, your dad, who is fortunately still with us, about, uh, you know, what every parent wants for their children. They want success for their children. They want their children to find a career, to find a calling, a vocation. And uh, in the book, you you write a lot about your mother's um, I wouldn't say it was disdain, I don't, I don't suppose, but just her worry about your being able to find a, a job that would sustain you and a family. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my family, my parents were and are very pragmatic. And at that point, they didn't really understand how you could make a living in something that wasn't eight to five. Monday through Friday, and neither did I, and I kind of got pushed into it because, like I say, I couldn't couldn't hold down a job. I kept getting fired or laid off, and when doing comedy and freelance writing and acting became more stead- the, the steadiest employment I'd ever had, freelance though it was, I think... I think we all had a learning curve about what that could look like. So I feel like that career path found me and she tried to be supportive, but there always was the worry. Like I talk about in, in my book, how my mom always like the bar for her was, does it have benefits? Does the job have benefits? That was the criteria. And I, now that I'm this age, I really appreciate that about her at the time, I was struggling myself, so it was like, I don't know what I'm doing either, Mom. I don't know how to how to navigate this either. I think that's something that we sometimes inherit from our parents. I know that as I entered, entered young adulthood, there were aspects of my parents' you know upbringing that that they brought with them that they gave to me that you know made me not understand that you know there were ways to make money and ways to. Uh, satisfy yourself that did not involve going into the kind of vocations that your parents had gone into and your parents' parents had gone into. So Right. Career fields that you didn't even know existed. Like I would watch um, daytime talk shows when I got home from school, like Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas, and you would see Toadie Fields, you'd see Joan Rivers, but you never make that connection that people do that do different ways of making a living. So, yes. And I'll add this to the lines of questions. There's something about the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. You guys are a little creative mecca. You know, I mean, people know of New York. They know of L.A. Some know of Chicago. Um, certainly there's a lot of talent in Orlando. But the Twin Cities, it... it can you explain why is there such a great creative outlet in in those twin cities? That is a really good question, Patty. I'm not sure I have a meaningful answer except that I think we and I use the general we creative community have always labored without the pressures of New York or California being Midwesterners. We just put our nose to the grindstone and figure stuff out. Uh, I don't know if it still holds true, but Minneapolis and St. Paul have the highest per capita uh, theaters besides New York. Like, it's it's an amazing scene. And, of course, all the, the music that's come out of here. Um, 
I'm not sure that's a meaningful or specific answer. It just feels like it's been this this real hub. I know so many people in this community, and if I don't know someone, I know someone who knows them. So it's it's um, it really is a, a a community, and I think we're all just excited about the work itself. We're not worried about appearing in front of agents or who's going to come to our show. That's and, my and, best guess. And when you think about Mystery Science Theater starting in Minneapolis, right? It's like it started in Minneapolis and it ended up on Comedy Central. So it was the birthplace of, of a really good cult series. Yeah. Um, and of course, right. Bob Dylan, Prince, um, MJPL, you know, all in the same sentence, right? Um, but yeah, it is it is an amazing city. And so I looked up on the internet where they said in uh, across the country, 2.9% of the indus- of workers work in creative outlets. The national out- average is 2.9%. In Minneapolis, it's 4.9%. And, and that says something, you know what I mean? So I did not know that. That's amazing. That gives me a little chill for yeah. my, my community. That's really cool. Yeah. So Patty doing her research before a podcast. <laughs> That's it. I got nothing else. <laughs> we will not be hearing from uh, Patty anymore. But let's put the no, we'll be hearing from her. But let's put this thing in here right now. You can go to redhawkpublications.com. That's HTTPS and all your semicolons, etc. And pick up Mary Jo's book, Dum Dum Dum, for the sale price of sixteen dollars, regularly twenty bucks. And I will personally mail it to you myself today if you pick it up. Whether no matter what time of the day it is, even if you're hearing this at three o'clock in the morning, I will get up and mail your book. Uh, so back to the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have ads, so you know we make our own. Um, but you know what, Mary Jo, I will say the other thing about this book, it's it's one of your quintessential type mother-daughter type books. As I read it, um, I'm thinking I attended my first Weight Watchers meeting at, you know, double digits, maybe 10 or 11, like you. Um, yep. I probably have a cheesecake story, like you. Um, and then sadly, my mother also passed of cancer. So as I read this, there's a lot of heart going on in there. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah, we went through a lot of the same things. Um, and my mother as well was a voracious reader. I, I, if, oh, if, wow. if, if I was bored and if I complained no one to play with, she'd read a book. And, and she read every single night. She had big books in front of her. And so um, that was something I copied from her. And she didn't keep the notes that your mom did, of course. It would have been funny if my mother had. But I just wanted to let you know. I value and appreciate the thoughts and respect you had for your mom and and your family in general. I sense a lot of love. Oh, wow. That means so much to me, Patty. (laughs) That was just a little bit of background music for Patty's. Patty's turning (laughs) off her phone. Patty's carrying, you know, things she just said. I will say this, uh, MJ, that... um, uh, I grew up in a in a household of four four boys. There were four of us, and I was the only one that was overweight. So I got accused of eating a lot of stuff that disappeared out of the refrigerator, even though mm-hmm. I know that my two older brothers and my younger brother would often scarf down all the stuff. There was one mm-hmm. time a bag of crullers that uh, those little tiny little crullers and the little donuts that were the little white sugar powdered. Two bags of those mm-hmm. disappeared one time, and, and I got punished for eating them, and, and that was a time I didn't get a single one of them. So 
I still carry that at 60 years of age today against I my brother. I feel so close to both of you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And also it's the um, what Patty was saying about the mother-daughter thing. I tried not too hard. I tried hard not to um, be over uh, psychologically analytical because that's really not my wheelhouse. But what I can do is tell you about my personal experience with it. And what I found is that um, it's really resonating for a lot of people in their parent, you know, mother-daughter, parent-child dynamic. And um, to your point, Robert, uh, writing the book has been somewhat cathartic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, um, who was it that... uh, that said that uh, writing is is the best kind of therapy. And uh, as Ali Wiesel has said, I, I write not so much to be, to, to, to teach than to learn and learn about myself as, as much as anyone else. So uh, a lot of times we here, do here. Through, through writing. And then, as you know, the revision process mm-hmm. and the rewriting process that you went through was quite, uh, was quite deep and quite... Uh, um, wonderful to watch from this uh, oh. editor's point of view. I uh, I used to love to get new copy edits from you to see how you would improve a phrase or improve a sentence. And uh, I would go to Patty and I would say, I want you to look at this, how this lady just toned up this pathos in the way she reworded this sentence. So you were really putting on a course for us here. Oh, my gosh. I cannot even tell you. I'm getting chills because that means so much to me, especially since I had never been through this process before. And I just, as you know, we went back and forth a lot where I just felt like I was just being such a pain. But I also wanted it to be right, not just for me, but for Red Hawk, you know. And and it wasn't linear. It was, as you know, Robert, it was it. It was a mess at any given point because it's not linear. It's vignettes. So any of the um, book reviews could have fit anywhere. So then how do I connect it here? And then am I repeating that? So it was um, it was laborious, and I so appreciate that huge compliment that it, it – you, I mean, I always knew you all, you were on board with me, but like I say, I just got so nervous about being a pain. So thank you. Short well, answer. It, thank you. Well, we appreciate that, but I also appreciate you being such a sticker to it because it has resonated with the readers because the readers have, the, the feedback we've gotten from readers is they they love the fact that it's not linear. They love the fact that it's that it's what they consider to be. There's a couple of uh, critiques we've gotten back that it's what a memoir should be. It's almost like we're reliving the memories with her as she relives those memories because it has that little bit of ambiguity to it. So uh, they, they really do appreciate the fact that you took that extra care and that extra labor 
to uh, to do that. And it was not easy. I know because I would look at it sometimes and I would say, I think I know where she's going with this and why she wants me to move this over here to over here. But everything yeah. inside of me is saying, Bless your don't do it. <laughs> and <laughs> But I would do it anyway. And, and there were times when, you know, you and I went back and forth on certain things that, you know, you wanted to take out or I wanted to take out. And we came to these nice little uneasy agreements that I think the book has really done well because of those things. I think it's just a marvelous uh, piece of work. If and you, I want everybody to read it. If you don't mind me, I'll just kind of chime in that this was the first book that I saw Robert edit from beginning to end. I mean, he edits other books, but, you know, certainly he came off as a fanboy initially, but when it was time for him... I still am a fanboy. Yeah, of course boy. he is, but, but, but when it came to your book, he was solid editor mode, and, and he would. He'd come into my room and he'd show me things, and, um, and if I'm not talking too much out of school, Robert, I will say there was a point where he's like, okay, this book is done. This book is over. She's putting back in what she took out <laughs> three edits ago. So that's kind of when we know a book is ready, the baby's ready to come and push, you know, Mom? It's like yeah. it's time to birth this book because you're, you're doing stuff that you already took out. So I really got to see and admire you, Robert, as an editor and, and taking so much care with this book. So... Well, thank you. Slaps across that. the back to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's really that's really interesting to know. And um, a, a lot of it was that it is it was so unwieldy for me, having been immersed in it for four four and a half years, that I needed that outside perspective and expertise. So I laugh at, um, I, I'm sure I did start putting stuff back in because I lost track of what the heck I was trying to, to say. So I needed that, that, um, that perspective, uh, a little bit of investment, but also professional detachment in the best way. So that, it, that process is interesting to know, and um, I so appreciate it. <laughs> It's just really fun to watch as an English professor. And, you know, I, I, I did a lot of school to learn, you know, the process of writing. And, and I've taught thousands of students the process of writing. And it was just so marvelous to be immersed in the process of writing with a professional who has written uh, shows that I've seen and you've written, you know, jokes for, you know, famous people. And, and, and it was just really nice to be immersed in that, in that work because and then to have people buy you know so many copies of the book and so many people tell us how good it is it's just been really a pleasure a pleasure to that's do. i i just again just really lovely to hear and i'm trying to um hear it with my heart because the midwestern way is that you poo poo everything and <laughs> oh it couldn't possibly like people will ask me how book sales are going and i'll say i don't really know because i lose track of that stuff well what do you think of the book well i don't entirely hate it <laughs> but that is like that is high praise that is high praise in midwestern language 
Right. Yeah, I got it's, that. You know, I, it's it's okay, I guess. Yeah, I got that in an email from you one time, and I said, like, uh, I hope you're as proud of this book as I am. And you said, in the Midwestern way of thinking, I don't hate it. And I <laughs> and I took that email to Patty, and I said, like, what does this mean? And she says, that's that's a Midwestern. <laughs> she, she she really exactly she really likes it, but she you know she don't tell you that she don't hate it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And of course, I got well, a good I laugh guess, out of I it. I guess I wrote a book. I don't know. I guess, <laughs> I guess someone's buying it somewhere. Yes, I guess they'll do those things. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, they've been going out of here, and I don't know where they're getting. Of course, the one guy on Twitter, we found out he didn't get his. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, do not get me started. Thank you for your patience with that. Uh, that's all right. You know, with, with social media, everybody's, uh, you know, everybody can be like a villain behind the keyboard, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get carried away with that stuff. So thank you can for you, your feel, patience. If you don't mind, I'm kind of curious a little bit about your social media presence because you have a show that I haven't seen yet. but On Twitch. On Twitch. Could you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about the Twitch show? Yeah, it's... it's um, called the Mary Jo Peel show. And I, I, for years I've been wanting to do some sort of, you know, I've pitched shows to different people and Netflix and all this stuff, uh, way down the line, like, like people's assistants, assistants, like nothing serious, but I've wanted to do some sort of broadcast show. And then Chris Gersbeck, who produces uh, Trace Bilyeu and Frank Connors' show, The Mads Are Back, also MST3K alumni, approached me and he said, um, I can produce something for you. What if we do, did this? So he's really the one who, who launched this thing. And it's more or less a variety show. We figured it's on Twitch, which is a sort of... Um, you know, a Zoom platform, I'm using the term Zoom, Zoom generically, where we um, we make up stuff as we go. We plan for the next show. I'm probably over-answering this. I'm sorry. No, but go ahead. We, we get all these ideas from viewers about what they want to see. Sometimes we've done game shows with celebrity guests. We, uh, we read from my high school journal for one show, and we had celebrities read from the journal. So we, we are just constantly creating it. And it's about an hour long, and it's once a month. It's on Twitch, The Mary Jo Peel Show. And don't be intimidated by Twitch. You don't have to download anything. You click on a link. It's just a show. It's a streaming show. Did I over answer that? Sorry. No, no absolutely no. not. Because people need to know about your show because it's it's it can be hilarious at times. Those uh, when you do the commercials, that's some of the funniest stuff uh, I think I've heard. When you're talking back to the commercials and riffing on the commercials, and um, she's also got people out there in podcast land. Uh, you can you can comment on what's going on and they read it in real time. So if you make yeah, a suggestion yeah. to do something, they'll just stop what they're doing and do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because we, we count on people watching because it's is really this vibrant, fun community. And we, we love seeing what people have to say and people are so funny and insightful. So And then you can win something from Mary Jo's house. That's another yep. one of my favorite <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't know what it's going to be oh until it God. comes in the mail a couple of weeks later. But uh, this it's one fellow. It's a crafty way of getting rid of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one fellow, one fellow won this really, really nice cutting board that your father made that was a yeah. beautiful piece of wood. I mean, he he had his unwrapping ceremony, you know, on video, and you and you showed it, and I was like going, gum, I like that, Dad. <laughs> I'll get you one, Robert. <laughs> no, nah, don't put the mayor to work now. We won't want him to do no. that. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he loves it. He loves woodworking, and he is very... Um, he, I gave a bunch of boards for Christmas to um, local friends, and he wanted to know who I was giving them to. And then he would say, "Well, where Trace and Katie live, they have this kind of of tree, and this is what this is the board that used that kind of tree." Like he's very, he loves to know how people are using them. So I'm happy to. Oh, he will love amazing. it. That's amazing. It's wonderful. This is also a man who built you a stand-up stage. In yes. his garage. My garage. Your garage. Okay. Sorry My about garage. that. Yeah. So yeah. now you can have stand-up shows in your garage like in the Little Rascals. Oh, come on, kids. Let's put on a show. <laughs> totally. <laughs> do, do you Bless have his a, heart. the fake brick behind and the stand in the middle? <laughs> That's you, exactly what it is. Yes. I, have to get a, I have to get a fake microphone. I'm, I'm on uh, Marketplace trying to find that. That's <laughs> funny. Um, I have to ask you a question. You mentioned you had done some stand-up, and I'm curious, Heckler's that are live because you're doing a live performance do you get any hecklers when you do your twitch like you know when you get those little comments do people heckle you virtually oh that is a really good question i think i think they call that trolling no absolutely i think there are always the people who are going to um a lot of it is very participatory and supportive a lot of it is needling not a lot some of it is is definitely needling. Um, I think it's the nature of um, the internet and chat rooms and that kind of thing where people want to be the smartest person or feel like you need to be educated about something. It might just be who they are. They might not mean any ill will, but but definitely there 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 is needling for sure. And I think it's the same. I mean, whether it's a live heckler in a in a theater versus you know somebody on the internet. But I I remember posting something on our Twitter account about your book, and somebody wrote back, "Well, I heard that Mary Jo's mom wrote it." Well, I happen to know she didn't, but I just decided to make a sales moment out of it and say, "Well, buy the book and find out." But he got a charge out of me. I I was annoyed by that comment. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how annoyed I was that somebody was. No, I was too, and I know exactly who you're talking about, and I know the interaction you're talking about. And um, this person was also the the person that Robert was referring to being problematic yeah, with the, yeah. the book delivery. And, and he's getting a charge right now because we're talking about him on our podcast. <laughs> if he's even listening, he's which he probably can we is. Block him? Can we block that's him? Right. Yeah. That, that, see, that's one thing I was going to say is like the wonderful thing about online is you can block people, but you can't block them in real life. It'd be a terrific <laughs> horror story. Until, until we figure out a way, Robert. Until we figure out a way. No, and and what he did was so it was so uncalled for and weird, and I don't. And he's he's a huge fan of the Twitch show. I think he's a huge MST fan. I I it was really hostile and weird, and I 
I do not understand that. And I know you can lose something in the translation of a of just typing a keyboard, but this was this was very pointed and specific. And you and I loved how you handled it. And I I questioned him like, what is what is that supposed to mean? And why would you bother? Don't you have better things to do with your time? You know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll, that will be my separate ranting podcast. And that's Sorry about fine. That. His name is Joanne. He lives in Providence town. We're good. So <laughs> I'm not giving him any space. No more I space. That's not true. <laughs> if you don't mind, and this is, then a kind of a recurring theme of what we've been asking authors, whether it's fiction, poetry, children's books, uh, memoirs. How how did you deal with the COVID? You know, we're still in it, coming out of it. But, you know, was this a good process for you? I mean, was COVID a good process for your writing? I Not was having really it, lucky. but during it, you know. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <let's> correct that. <laughs> Clarification. Correct that. Um, I was really lucky in that I still had riff tracks uh, scripts to do. And for several months, we ended up um, recording in our own homes. And then uh, the producer would um, meld the the tracks. So you, you got a riff, a riff tracks, so to speak. So I had that. It kept me really focused. I was working on the book. And I think I had a couple of other deadlines because I'm very task-oriented. It, that keeps me sane during those moments. And, um, so I just kept, kept busy writing. Did, did I, I'm sorry. Did I answer your question? You yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, you know what, that's consistently what we've heard from our authors. I mean, COVID has been a bad thing nationally, internationally, but for our mm-hmm. writers, it's actually given them a safe space to do what they do best, which is to, you know, get to work and start writing. And continue right. Writing. It really so, made me hunker down. Like here I am. Creatives didn't really miss a beat so much. They might have missed a meal, um, but yeah. they, they, but they didn't miss a beat in terms of, of writing. No, right. And when you couldn't go anywhere, like I will do anything to avoid writing. And when you couldn't go anywhere, it's like I guess I have to. I mean, I love it. It's in my bones. But most writers will tell you it's a love hate relationship. So you know, I had to keep busy to keep keep focused and not panic. Are you currently involved with Rift Tracks? Are you doing some work with them currently on some of their... I am. Okay. Bridget Bridget Nelson and I have a regular, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a subdivision of Rift Tracks. Rift Tracks presents. So we are a team and we do a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Rift Tracks with Bridget and Mary Jo in their catalog. Okay, and where where could a a, a viewer or a, or someone who would want to get in touch with those and get those products? Where would they find those products? Rifttracks.com, R-I-F-F-T-R-A-X.com, Rifttracks.com. And do you do you get any kind of royalties on the cinematic Titanic stuff? Because I've noticed that there was like somebody had bought that catalog and was putting those out. Uh, on either yeah, sh- DVDs and streaming, yeah. Shout Factory has them, and just Shout Factory. I just love love everyone over there. They've been so good to us. Uh, but that, I think, I think they closed out the catalog. Nothing is available anymore. So oh. I have to say goodbye <laughs> to those royalties. But it was a really great run, and Shout Factory is. Is just I just love them. 
They're so good to us. And the Gizmonics people have got a streaming platform up that they've got, like, uh, I think as many seasons of MST3K as they can present without, you know, copyright problems mm-hmm. uh, that you can download those for free until like the end of the year, I think. I don't know if you still get anything from uh, MST3K royalties, but I like to plug that for people who would like to see what it's all about because it keeps getting introduced to new generations. Right, and, right. And uh, your character of Pearl Forrester keeps getting introduced to new generations like my granddaughter who likes to walk around now and, and, and say that, you know, if we don't behave ourselves, she'll decapitate us. And <laughs> oh, you are killing me. <laughs> she oh, just uses Pearl Forrester, you know, threats that, you know, the character always gave to Bobo and to Brain Guy. And, and it's just hilarious to hear this little 11-year-old, you know, doing that. <laughs> that is so wonderful and so cute. So what kind of events do you have coming up uh, of, uh, where you're um, – uh, promoting the book. I think there's a few things you've got coming up in the future. You've got a busy September and October ahead of you, right? Yeah, I am doing a book signing in St. Paul at, um, I'm sorry, I have the worst memory, and I just wrote about it. Um, it's a bookstore in St. Paul. I hope that's vague enough for everybody. <laughs> then I will have a, yeah. <laughs> we will We will put it up. We'll put it on the we'll podcast. Put it on yeah, it's just, it's yeah, on we'll put it on the podcast. Then in October, oh, and then I have another reading at another bookstore. <laughs> Would that also so happen to be in the Twin guys. Cities? <laughs> yes, in Minneapolis. Um, right now the these 23rd. people with all these bookstores are going like, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, well, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, nah, we'll fix it. We'll fix it for no you. Wonder, no I can't remember I a minute. Two more promotion. <laughs> um, and then in... In October 19th, I'll be in Chicago at uh, the bookseller for a signing and a reading and uh, future dates being worked on. Good. That sounds marvelous. That sounds marvelous. Again, you can get the book at redhawkpublications.com. It is also available on amazon.com. It is available on all your dot-coms where you can buy your books. You can even look (laughs) it up on walmart.com and you can buy it from them. Seriously? Like to, wow. Yeah. Well, we, okay. we, we've got you all kinds of distribution. We just need to get Excellent. everybody to buy a copy. I mean everybody. Uh, <laughs> Barack you, Obama, yes, do exactly. you hear me out there, Barack Obama? You need to read Dum Dum Dum. <gasps> I, think so, Michelle, yeah. I think Michelle just ordered it. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I'm trying to get uh, a copy to Al Franken. He's a local oh, beloved of course he is. Um, politician and uh uh, I have a friend who's doing an interview with him, and I was like, ask him if I can send him my book, because he, he used to write for SNL, and I made my bones on SNL, so trying to get it out there. That, that is another thing, and I know we're going over, but uh, that's another thing. I've had the most fun with this book. Uh, of shipping it to people. The other day we had, you know, the, the two libraries were talking about their wait list was too long. It was a library in Brooklyn and a library, library there in, in uh, uh, Minneapolis. And I just mailed them a couple. Oh, thank you <laughs> so much. I just sent them a couple Darn of books. On, now, now, whether or not they'll take them seriously and put them in their stacks, I don't know. But... Uh, I put a letter in there. As long as we saturate the market, Robert. Yeah. Saturating <laughs> the market. <laughs> I put a letter in there that said, "Here, I hear your waiting list is really, really long on this." Right so, on. Uh, and remember to tell everybody that they can always buy their own copy if they want to. They're not very expensive, and it's a wonderful, wonderful read. 
So uh, with that, I do want to thank you, Mary Jo Peel, for joining us today on Red Pub Pod. Thank you, Mary Jo. And for anyone out there listening, please make sure that you continue to like, share, and hit that subscribe button because we do this for you out of love. Yes, we do. We do it out of all 12 of you. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I won't tell them the analytics. I mean, I mean uh, shy. 112 of you or 1,012 of you. Excuse me. And Mary Jo, we need one more thing out of you before you, you can go. We need you to say Red Pub Pod. Just like that, Red Pub. Red Pub Pod. No, Red <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, Robert. Red Pub Pod. Red Pud. <laughs> okay, take three. Hold on. <laughs> Red Pub Pod. There you go. There you go. There you go. Now we'll see if the if if Mr. Eller can do something with that. Uh, oh, I think we'll uh, have fun. I think we'll have fun with the Pud one anyway. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thanks for a great conversation. Oh, that's all right. Thank it was you wonderful. very much. Thank you. And uh, to all of you out there listening, thank you very much for joining us. I'm Robert Knipe. This is Patty Thompson. Richard Eller sitting over here with a bemused look on his face. And please join us again. And thank you for listening. Red Pub Pod. You've been listening to Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. There you go. There you go. <laughs> a podcast. Red Pub Pod. From Red Hot Publications. No, Red. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, Robert.